<laughs> Do you have call recorder working? It it says it is recording, so I'm all right. I trust it. It's one of I haven't had any application specific issues that I know of since I like upgraded my system to Big Sur. Everything's been Lucky. rock solid, aside from those audio issues, which I I mean I would guess are related to the system. Um, right. System and then maybe like uh, Teams, for example, has some additional yeah. bugs compounding on it. But uh, yeah, for the most part, th- I mean, things have been pretty smooth. Um, aside from. But audio. I'm not going to lie, it's, it kind of feels like we haven't talked in a while in this kind of format. I mean, it has been a while, but oh, it's, yeah, it feels it's, exceptionally it's long. It's been a minute. It was a holiday season and it was. Uh, it was a holiday season, and technically, I didn't talk to you. I only talked to you last year. And I can make that joke because it's not January 1st. So, ha. Yeah, we're like over a week into it, which is so scary. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, no, not at all. Um, cool. Well, I guess we should... We'll just kind of like to kick things off, you know? I mean, yeah. it's a new year. Here's our little pre-show. Um, so part of the reason why you actually haven't heard from us in a little bit of a time, a little bit of a time or a little bit of a while is uh, Alex and I a, just kind of needed a bit of a break. Not necessarily because the podcast was exhausting us. It was just a series of life and work. Obviously, the pandemic definitely took a toll on a lot of us. So we kind of took the holidays as an opportunity to rest, recharge. Um, use that as an opportunity as to really did step everyone. away from everything. <laughs> right, exactly. As did everybody. So, um, again, if you were listening to this and you're hoping for an episode, something around Christmas, New Year's, uh, we apologize that we didn't get to that. Um, we were kind of in a similar state as you. So, the nice thing about us having done that, though, is we got a little bit of time to take a step back and sort of do a you know, look back from a design perspective on what were the things that we liked about the podcast series that we've been doing and what are sort of the things that we would like to see uh, moving forward. So we did a little bit of an analysis. Uh, We're actually going to go ahead and update some of our descriptions. Our intro is going to be a little bit cleaner, if not a little bit shorter. Um, And we're going to try and take a little bit more time, at least for 2021, to focus on maybe some of those more um well thought out design topics so we're going to try less to do real-time news updates so if you want those definitely recommend you know the wired verge whole bunch of other news outlets are much better at giving real-time up-to-date news but we really wanted to focus on putting that news into some sort of context that we can talk about a little bit more from our own experiences and um thoughts so that's going to be kind of the big change um i'll hand it over to alex to kind of talk about some of the other stuff that we're going to be doing yeah so i mean in general just tightening everything up i would say as you mentioned uh updating descriptions uh we want to update our album artwork um if you have any ideas uh about the album artwork and what we could do with it that'd be super awesome if you want to share them um but we're working on some early concepts for for what an updated version of that would look like. And then uh, another really big thing is we would love to have on more guests. We have, uh, I guess, a backlog of guests right now. Um, And so I think uh, we have a few other things we'd like to kind of, like I said, get cleaned up before we bring uh, 
some our first guests on for the year but uh yeah definitely expect lots of different guests um people from different backgrounds different industries um it should be a lot of fun so uh i know we really enjoyed when we had bradley on earlier um and Mm -hmm. it's always fun to get new perspectives and not just hear ourselves talk (laughs) right (laughs) because we do that on a day-to-day existence (laughs) um but cool yeah that's that's most of our pre-show so Shall we kick things off? 2021. <laughs> My name is Alex Huffaker, and I am a a uh, the soft glow of a 60 watt light bulb. Uh, Damn, not bad, yeah, not bad. That warm, um, warm light. <laughs> hi, uh, my name is PK, and I. I couldn't come up with one. I didn't actually think of one. I peanut buttered already this <laughs> this year. You're um, already you're already failing. This this was a resolution, PK. We're supposed to get I, I, have all gotta, these Gotta start the out. bar low. Plans. Gotta start the bar low. You know. <laughs> Hi, my name is PK, and uh, my battery needs servicing. And the reason for that is because my battery actually does need servicing on my laptop. On your on your like your fifteen inch. Yes. Really. That's crazy. It's, I think, at 60% capacity, 70% oh, wow. ca- like max capacity, yeah. Yeah, It because it oh. can hold, I think, okay, so we'll, this is a good segue into follow-up. So, a couple of things. Uh, my current laptop is still having a spazzy touch bar. Turns out that's a hardware issue, so I need to get this fixed. Um, and doing a little bit more digging into Big Sur, turns out my... Um, battery is at 5,000 milliamp hours as opposed to the expected 7,500 milliamp hours of expected capacity. So um, pretty big draw there. So what I did do in the meantime was I did order a new MacBook Air, the M1 chip. So I think I touched on it previously. I've had it since effectively Christmas. I would say I've maybe charged it three times since then. Um, and this is with like heavy use. Like I've actually done Figma portfolio design work on it and my God, it just, it just does, it doesn't lose battery. It, it's so hard to kill. It's amazing. I love this machine. It's one of those things that now if I need to do something that involves mobility and I just want to grab a laptop and not worry about whether it's charged or not, I go for the 13 inch. It's so weird. Um, the size is really good. I love the weight class. It's really nice. Sometimes when I go from the 13 to the 15, the 15 feels like an aircraft carrier. But then when I'm with the 15 for a little bit, I realize that I actually really do like the screen size. So I'm very excited for what Apple's going to do um, in the next coming or in the coming days. Haven't had too many RAM issues because I have gone from what 32 gigs to 16. So it's really not too bad. I am using a little bit of swap, but even then the swap is actually doesn't noticeably lag. So overall, really dope. And the only pain point is iCloud. I it takes it's it's still uploading the 400 gigs. It is still uploading, and it's been about five days of it just constantly uploading. Um, some of that is Comcast sucks, and they don't have uh, what is it symmetrical upload download speeds. Mm-hmm. I think some of it might also just be iCloud servers. They're just not able to upload data as quickly. I think iCloud is historically supposed to be more like backup e sort of a thing. So there's that. But um, 
as soon as iCloud gets all of my stuff up there, then I can switch over to using the MacBook Air full time. I'll get this bad boy replaced and then we'll see what condition it's like when it comes back. Hmm. It, it's so crazy. Like you were talking about the battery life and I feel like I've been hearing about all day battery life on a laptop for like basically decades or not. No, like the past decade. And right. And it's like just finally, uh, maybe in the last couple of years on some of the PC laptops too, but like just finally becoming like usable for a whole day, actually doing intensive applications. Like I, I can say like this 16 inch when I am just unplugged using Figma and have like Teams and a couple other apps open, like I get maybe like an hour and a half worth of battery life. Out yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And having seen like, your accounts of like the performance and the battery life going down over time and others it's just like it's astounding that like that's not like light browsing work or doing word docs or stuff like that that's like full work and you're barely having to charge the machine which is just mind-boggling like like we, we like i said i get an hour and a half on this laptop basically uh, oh yeah doing those things like, I don't, the, 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 the weirdest part is, it's like, I don't even have to think about whether it's charged or not. Like, when I open this laptop, the first thing I do is unlock it with Touch ID, right? And then I go and see the battery. Is it charged or not? And if it's not charged, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Is it really going to be that intensive? And then I debate whether I want to use my, you know, six-year-old iPad or my phone or it just kind of let it be and I tackle it for a time later. Um, also... We mentioned touch bar and touch ID. I I I see where they were trying to go with the touch bar. I do, I really do. The potential was there. If apps really used it, it could have been amazing. But it wasn't, and no one used it. And as a result, dear lord, it's so nice to just have a row of function keys. It is the best thing in the world. Well, we, we weren't going to talk about this, but I, I will say, like, the thing that gets me about the touch bar is it's just emulating buttons. And yeah, the buttons are dynamic in nature, but that actually creates a lot of overhead, like, in mental models. Like, okay, these functions are only available when this application is active or this certain application is active. So you have to manage, like, another screen and another mental model of how the touch bar operates right and then it's not Mm -hmm. really doing anything that new like most of the time it's just taking buttons available on screen and bringing them down to the keyboard which i would argue isn't a huge uh like performance ability gain most of the time yeah like if there was there there's a designer and um I think his Instagram handle is like M Alonzo. I forget what his first name is. It might be like Marcus or something like that. And he has worked on an app and it's a music app. And like that uses the touch bar as like, uh, I think it was almost like as a beat pad or uh, to like play different strings on a guitar. Yeah, I think I've on seen guitar. that, yeah. And that's like way more interesting. That he's a designer at Apple, so he, he gets the, the usage right. of the product, yeah. but it, it's just like, that's what it should be. It should be enabling new things that you couldn't do before. Um, and it just like in practice really doesn't work well for most of them. I would say the more interesting and more futuristic thing is, which already exists today, are just like individually, um, or individual keys with OLED displays on them. So 
They are mm-hmm. still dynamic, um, but you have the physicality of, of actual keys. And even yeah. just knowing that, okay, well, um, like this key is always here. You don't have like, you can't reach out and know that this control is always here on the touch bar. Um, so I, I think it's more of a like developer issue and really Apple not providing a lot of direction not with it. Yeah. I agree. I, I again, I see where they're going with it. It's it's that iPhone approach, right? Of when you need a keyboard, show the keyboard. When you don't need the keyboard, hide the keyboard. Like I understand where they're coming from that, but it's just I think I I see this more as a prototype. Like they they tried, they tested the water, they probably got a good chunk of data from this. They're going to do something else. Like I think the touch bar has had its day. It did its job, which was to really do some functionality testing. And they got it to do that, and now it's time for them to actually implement those, you know, changing OLED keys and all of that other stuff that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, cool. Well, well, I'm very curious to hear if you're going to go back to your old laptop. Uh, all things said, me and too. Done. I don't know. I'm betting on. I no. don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We, we'll see. I, I need to, because I think the be- the good part will be I'll actually need to go all in on the 13-inch for at least a week, if not two weeks, um, depending on how long it takes to get this, this machine fixed. And I think that's going to give me a really good sense of um, just the machine, how good it is from a workflow perspective. Do I really like it? Do I not really like it? Um, yeah. I think I think it, it'll actually be a fair A-B comparison as opposed to previously or in other situations where I just, well, I use it for some things and I don't use it for other things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll, you'll know just find out where, where the walls are for you, which I, yeah. I apart from screen size um, and maybe RAM, I, I can't think of any other, or maybe ports. That's the only other, like, real Coming from the person who's currently of. only using two ports. Although, if I... Yeah, I could see that being a limitation, especially if I needed to start pulling from hard drives. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing a lot of stuff like that, like on, on a given day for me, I have two usually plugged in. I usually, well, power, of course, and then I have my display uh, going over the table. Yeah. Um, and I have s- some stuff plugged into the my monitor, but it's more just because it's a convenient power source and not because right. like I'm actually using them. So uh it'll yes it'll be interesting to see what you end up doing um another piece of follow-up uh before we get into the show is we were guests on another podcast uh <gasps> which is super cool um it was with uh one of our friends from college and they have this great podcast um called 20 minutes with 20 somethings and basically it's just a bunch of exactly what it sounds like um basically a short uh interview with either uh pairs of people or uh singular people individuals individuals yes that that was the word i was looking for singular people also works (laughs) um or individuals um kind of doing noteworthy things or or pushing the boundaries uh, in their industry so it's a, a wide breadth of guests um and i've really enjoyed it so far so definitely check them out we'll have link to uh, them in the show yep. notes and our, our episode, episode as, well. as well as the, all their podcast. Yep. So cool. really great people. Again, as Alex mentioned, Anjali uh, and Alex and I all went to the same college. Um, so super cool. 
really fun podcast. Um, we touch on a lot of different stuff historically. If you are ever curious as to how Alex and I met, listen to that show and you will hear um, how our friendship blossomed in the realm of Design One. <laughs> oh man, taking me back. Um, <laughs> so for today's main topic, kind of continuing on with our theme of, of New Year stuff and think tweaks we wanted to make to the sh- show. Uh, we really want to talk about values and the values that we hold when we start designing products for ourselves or at work um, and kind of like some good examples of those values in the real world. Uh, so they're a bit more tangible and everyone can kind of understand what mm-hmm. we're talking about. And I wouldn't say these are all super out of left field at all. Uh, I would say they're yeah somewhat standard. Uh, I mean, you can definitely get both of us from what we have listed here, but mm-hmm. um yeah, so I guess I'll just go first. Um, so mine are uh, playful. Should be, everything should always be a bit playful, uh, even if it's mm-hmm. for the most serious uh, of business people in the world. It still needs to be a little yeah. bit fun, a little bit of enjoyment. Um, honest and ethical, um, and I guess maybe another way I would say is like transparent in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then my last one is just it, it needs to be lasting. Um in multiple right. ways, in materiality, in support, in uh, like long-term updates, look and feel across the board, um, lasting. So we can kind of dive into that in a second, but let's go through yours, PK. Sure. So I kind of have these as like pairs. Um, I don't know why mm-hmm. when I was kind of writing these out, they just came out as pairs. So I have purposeful and moral. So what was kind of like... Uh, things should really have a meaning behind them. They should have a reason for existing. Um, and that reason should have some sort of moral obligation tied to it, not something foul or uh, malintended, um, but something that actually helps humanity. So honest and focused. So that's kind of going back to your honest piece, Alex. Uh, honesty, I kind of saw as it is what it is. So we're not trying to sneak in additional features Um, it's really focused so it does a good job at what it does and it's very honest about what it can and cannot do Um, and what it can do it does really 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 well and I think the last part was considerate and caring Um, so are you considerate of the humans that you're really designing for you considerate of the environment that it's going to exist are you considerate of its long-lasting impact Um, and is it caring for each of those elements it's not just saying um, you know screw the environment or fuck the environment we're just gonna litter it with a bunch of styrofoam right that's someone else's problem (laughs) right said the boomers (laughs) except it's ours Um, but I think caring also for me was a good way to throw in that playful so caring in the sense Mm -hmm. of where appropriate having different levels of play because i know you touched on this business people historically don't like the word playful um but yeah (laughs) they definitely need a little (laughs) bit more playful in their lives um yeah for me i mean that's like really the whole reason i was interested in computers or Mm -hmm. anything like that is because when i used a mac for the first time like 20 years ago and I was like, this is so different from everything else. It's actually fun to use. Um, especially like the first versions of Mac OS X were like super quirky. The dock oh, yeah. absolutely blew my mind. Like the different animations, like all those little mm-hmm. bits of quirkiness, like really made me um, like bond with the product. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of developed a relationship with it, right? So it, it, it should be fun. It can be fun. And it doesn't have to... Um, 
doesn't have to be it so doesn't have to be serious time. and it doesn't have to reflect the real world in the level of severity like if you're in a business environment it's very serious but it it doesn't have to like it's not constrained by that physical world. yeah um and i would say like most any silicon valley company today very much embodies a lot of the, the playful office design right with mm-hmm. you have like different games ping pong tables and billiards and different areas where you can go have a meeting on beanbags yeah exactly so fun everywhere and um it it just gives me more information about your personality everyone has a funny side for them um Mm -hmm. so the application should have a little bit of that as well a little bit of personality uh so you get a sense of who designed it and kind of where their head was at when they were designing it I'll also say, kind of expanding on your playful piece, just kind of having joy when you're using a product, I think, Mm -hmm. A, it puts you more relaxed. So when you're actually using it, you're not as stressed, you're not so bent up on actually the task at hand, you're actually having fun, which inherently means that you're going to do a better job. Your mind's actually able to function on all cylinders, you're not trying to get something done on a tight deadline, which for businesses means other employees are actually going to, at the end of the day do a much better job, which means increased ROI. So there you go. Case for playful design. Um, I'll also say too, I noticed that if the software I use is actually playful, and given that we do a lot of work on computers, I don't hate my work as much. Mm-hmm. Um, like the days I have to jump, and I, I, I'm going to start using bad examples, but OneNote is one of those examples of something that I don't think is playful. Um, and I don't think really hits any of the values that we've really hit here of it's just it's not playful. It doesn't seem very honest or ethical. Um, it just seems very ephemeral. I wouldn't say like, one is unethical, but I, I get what well, you mean. Well, okay, not unethical, <laughs> but it just it's really hard to know what you're supposed to do. And it's hard to navigate. And it's just all over the place. But it's, can, I think from a playful perspective, I don't think OneNote's playful. Can, can and I, I share don't enjoy a quick, any of it. a quick anecdote yes. about OneNote? So years ago, um, before we had any sort of like real tablets, Microsoft had their, their kind of tablet computing versions of Windows, uh, specifically like Windows XP. And it blew my mind at the time because they were like the first convertible PCs where you could flip the whole display around and mm-hmm. uh, use a pen to take notes in OneNote. So there was like a period, like, I don't know, maybe like 2005, 2006, where I would like take notes uh, in OneNote. Or I was experimenting with taking notes. Uh, yeah, using, I think it was called like ink in uh, OneNote back in like windows xp which was crazy at the time and that oh. that like blew my mind but it, it really hasn't changed i mean there's a no. lot more features now but like the the general structure is pretty much the same as it was back then i but i, I think to to kind of go back to like the value piece though i don't have fun when i'm in in one right like i have fun in figma because it's actually like it's a creating tool so maybe that's not fair but there are certain experiences where you can be in and it is it is a fun experience to just be in the application see little animations um i have dark sky is one of those examples and my one of my favorite things to see is when it's raining it gives you an indication of how much rain is happening but it looks like it's actually water sloshing around in a bucket so there are little water animations and Again, playful design doesn't need to be big, but I think those tiny details, those tiny interactions or those tiny animations can really elevate uh, any experience from mediocre to, hey, hell yeah, I actually want to use this application or this hardware Mm -hmm. device. 
absolutely yeah no some of the examples i had like um it, it's not as much anymore but square cash when it first came out the simplicity of it and just like mm-hmm. the boldness of the design with this like bright green like bright neon lime green um really got me and the and it was so slick and fast to kind of mimic the cash that was moving around in the background right and like today, like I was, I was going through it earlier and one of the nice things they have are these boosts that you can kind of add on to the, the debit card that they give you. So it'll mm-hmm. be like, uh, you can choose like $15 off on DoorDash or 10% off at any grocery store and stuff like that. And when you select it, it takes the color of that boost and it fills the whole card with it, um, which is just a Ooh. fun animation, right? It's like it, Apple it, card. Extra engineering. Yeah. Extra engine engineering effort and all that stuff um apple card's actually a little less playful with that stuff it's a bit more subtle with how it does the coloring but this was much Mm -hmm. more like little circle here let's almost like push it into the card above and like explode the color almost like water into the card itself um just like a really fun little thing it doesn't do a lot and the boost expires every week um so you have to do it again but um just like a nice little detail and then another thing is um kind of tying into that service right on the physical side of things like they have like a special glow in the dark debit cards and like uh they've collaborated with a couple artists on different versions of cards so just like another little piece of fun um Mm -hmm. like quirkiness that they don't have to do because the cards themselves already you can customize and like write your initials or draw a picture and do stuff like that on the standard cards but it's just another level of of playfulness and kind of care yeah. that they show like we we're investing time in the cards and this is glow and dark card i've never seen a glow in the dark credit card not that it <laughs> really matters in like actual right. use but it's still cool and it's, it's fun, fun yeah um yeah and then i would also say i i have this like little thermometer um by this mm-hmm. great company called thermoworks and it's called the thermo pop and it looks like a map uh and it's just it's just really fun to use. It's just one display. You hit a button, it turns on, and that's the whole device. But it's a bunch of really bright colors, and it just looks like a map pin that you stick into your meat uh, to take the temperature or whatever you need to measure the temperature mm-hmm. of. Um, and just the fact, like, the design itself and the fun colors just make something so mundane as taking temperature of something while you're cooking and makes it way more fun. It's easy to read. Um and yeah, I actually like that product. Um, that's one yeah. of my more favorite products in my kitchen. <laughs> you actually like a product you bought? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Who would have thought? Um, All right. So you got to be honest I, and ethical. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess from honest, like, honest and ethical overlap um, for me on a couple of levels. But they're, they're not always the same thing. Ethical is that, like, what you're building is not harming people. I would argue that like DoorDash and Lyft, a lot of these gig economy apps, um, the the work, if you are working on one of those apps, is not harming anyone directly, but the model of that application is a bit unethical when you look at it. Um, so it extends beyond that to, to the company, right? What's What change in effect are we happening having on the world and then you get into other things like dark ux patterns and stuff like that just like shadiness and manipulation of of humans in general um so that's generally what i mean by ethical yeah you should not be designing software to like go kill people or stuff like that like 
that's right. table stakes for me. Or but data it's, mining from subtle, application. Subtle details. What are like the outward effects of the software, or like how will it ripple through society, and what changes will it cause? And sometimes that's not always apparent, or um, it is apparent, but maybe the the effects um, are not apparent. So. Yeah, or sometimes you, you it actually takes move on, 15 years to actually figure some of these things out, but yeah. Yeah, um, and then <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of tying in honesty to that. Like, I see honesty tying into ethics as the company being transparent, what is happening with the data, right? Um, and we're, we're starting to get into that with, like, these privacy nutrition labels that Apple has. I think they're really confusing, to be honest, and they're different across all the applications and they're kind of at the bottom um, and it doesn't tell you if you can opt out of any of it or what control you have over it. So it leads to more questions, which I guess is good, um, but maybe isn't the clearest thing um, in the world, but also just like honesty in like being forward about kind of what's happening in the back end of things. Like it's cool to have things like, magical pieces of tech but y'all should should be transparent with users like how that's happening um and i don't have a solution for all of this um it's much more complex especially if it's an algorithm running things but like just just having some sort of insight even at a high level of what's happening to make this application work or how is my data being moved um is really helpful and just gives the user that extra trust that's like okay well they're explaining to me what's happening behind the scenes. So I'm going to trust them a little bit more because they're being upfront with me about how this product does work and, and what our supply chain is like. And um, I would say a good example of that as a company is uh, like seventh generation or uh, Everlane, both of which use transparency in their supply chains and their ingredients uh, or um, uh, materials lists to, to be transparent with the user, say, this is where this is from, this is who made it, and this is why we're including these these pieces in the product. Uh, like seventh generation gives a full breakdown. This ingredient is here because it does this in the formula. Um, Everlane has a breakdown of their costs and the factories and kind of a bio of the people. So that's honest um, and transparent in my view. And then the final thing is like not, it's not necessary, but personally, I like, I'm a 90s kid, so I grew up at the end of the era with see-through everything, like bubble uh-huh. furniture and see-through, <laughs> uh, the see-through IMAX, right? And right. Like, telephones and stuff like that. And I love that stuff. Um, and to me, that's a form of honesty. Um, you're kind of pulling back the curtain and showing, like, again, what's happening True. under the scenes, what what is making up this product. Um I, I just really appreciate that because I love to know how those things, how things work and I like to tinker with stuff. So mm-hmm. as someone who enjoys that, I love when things are transparent and I can see and understand uh, how the system is, is built in and all that. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you're absolutely spot on from like the honest perspective, I think to kind of augment some of that with, with you said, or what you said around honesty and ethicalness, um, I kind of want to augment that with an element of focus. I feel like a lot of these good companies that do do honest and ethical work are also very focused um, on trying to get a lot of that done. I think uh, you kind of look at something, what, is it Patagonia or 
think Patagonia is the one that's trying to upcycle a lot of a lot of their mm-hmm. clothing, yep. a lot of their uh, like fishnets and all, right? Um, but they're very focused on that. They're not trying to do. They're not trying to solve all the plastic bag issues. They're not trying to solve everything, right? They're very focused on a very niche part of an area. And, and they're really good at that. So they're very honest about what they do. They're honest about the work that they're doing. They're very focused about it. They try and do it in as ethical of a format as they're able to do. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's really admiring, right? And I think, especially as we start to look at a lot of companies and we have this element of needing to care about a lot of different things that are happening in our lives, I start to look for those companies that are focused. Um, it's kind of one of the issues I have with like Musk and maybe some of his stuff is I feel like a lot of if you're unfocused, I feel like you're not able to be doing a really good job in one area. And I'd rather a company do a really good job in one area as opposed to mediocre everywhere, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, to your point, it extends through the culture of the company, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a reason I like or prefer buying from like certified B corporations and nonprofits and stuff like that, because like you can like by the fact that they're a nonprofit or like a certified B corporation, they are signing up and kind of certifying on some level that like the focus is about the people and we care about the people and the effects our products have on people and the environment around them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. As opposed to your point, Musk or one of these like multinational conglomerates like Unilever or P and G and stuff like that, where it's like uh, more of a marketing tool for them than anything mm-hmm. else to be honest with a brand um but but seeing that in a company and, and kind of going to its roots like that's how you ensure that a product is honest and, and ethical all the way through and it's not just more of like a an afterthought that maybe that would create some like bad pr for us or some bad optics um right and, and so we and need just to, kinda... to change things up no, exactly. But also to like bring it back to a lot of the work that we do in, in our mm-hmm. own day-to-day lives. Um, like I would say that, we, so we do use a lot of like artificial intelligence, machine learning, like there's a lot of algorithmic work that happens on the back end. And I would say that for a lot of the applications that we do try and use, um, we try and surface as much of that information to the user. So whether it's editable, even if it's uneditable by the user, at least letting them know how these algorithms are um, rating different parts or reading certain pieces of data to kind of influence the end model. And then also giving the user the ultimate ability to say, hey, um, you know, I I see the system kind of did this, but a lot of this AI ML stuff can have bias built into it. So giving the user that option to sort of override that. So still giving the person the ultimate option to be honest, to be ethical, um, and really make sure that they're trying to care about the end, you know, just people as people at the end of the day. And then going back to focused, I mean, one of the biggest things we see in work is feature creep. So can we tack on this? Can we tack on that? Can we do this? Can we do that? And while a lot of that can be great somewhere down the line, um, especially with limited time and limited budgets that we generally engage in, um, we really do need to be focused on what is really important for this product. What is the, I hate to say minimum viable product. I like the phrase minimum delightful product. Um, what does it really kind of be like the minimal delightful product that we can really do? Um, so we try and focus on that. We try and be honest with it. If we can, we try and add an element of playfulness, but that is pretty rare. Um, Mm -hmm. and then 
to kind of like continue along those lines, um, considerate and caring. I know you and I, we fight a lot for that end user. So who are they and can we really make something for them that shows we care? Um, like we're hearing their problems and we're actually trying to solve them. They're not. We're not trying to add additional roadblocks. We're not trying to throw an ads in the middle of them to try and get them to buy an additional service. Like, can we get them to just do the work that they need to do? And then maybe after that, as a business need, we'll throw in an ad and say, thank you, would you like to add an additional product? Sure. But until they get to that point, we really want to keep things as considerate for them as possible, as caring for them as possible, um, and ultimately create something good for them. And going off of that, when you do create something, uh, when you do put a lot of care into something, um, and it have shows. those deep conversations, you, it shows and it creates, to, to my last value, a lasting product. Um, in the digital space, this matters less in my mind, but you don't want people to like to build a system for, for a customer and then have them be like, oh, you know what? Well, this can't scale and it's really dated within like three years. That's a really bad product if that's the case, right? Like this system should be lasting at least a decade for them uh, in most cases. So like going in with the attention of building a system that's scalable or a product that's scalable um, and has longevity um, designed into it is really important to me. Whether as a physical product, choosing the materials right, um, the manufacturing methods of kind of combining those materials together. Um, or like I said, what it could be the, the tech stack that the product is built on, right? The application mm -hmm. is built on. Um, the design language. Design language is... A little bit That's less fleeting. important in my mind. It's a yeah. bit more like fashion in a lot of sense. Um, as long as you don't go crazy over uh, right. with the design and make it very much like a period piece. Um, but but lasting design is is really like a culmination of all those things. It's software that people enjoy using. Uh, that's transparent in how it works. Um, it, it doesn't leave the users with a lot of confusion and be like, why is it doing this? Or why is it telling me this now? I don't understand how we got here. Um, right. Yeah. And and lasting products are, are good for really for everyone. Everybody. Less training yeah. over time, um, consistent knowledge within an organization, uh, less products in a landfill, less time buying mm -hmm. a new product, less money spent on new products, which is, a, I guess, a bit of a... Uh, an enemy to uh, <sighs> capitalism and consumerism. Well, that's um, and that's where services comes in, but uh, probably another conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so so those are really like there are more things that I take into consideration. But for me, it's like a, a playful product that's honest. Um, it's ethical um, in how it's created and what it does. And then mm -hmm. finally, something that's that's lasting. Um, Lasting value more than anything. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, no, and I, 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 the funny thing is, I think we we really strongly overlap on that. I mean, I didn't explicitly say lasting, but I kind of try and imply that with a purposeful moral piece. Um, yeah, purposeful moral, honest and focused, considerate and caring. I really think I was talking to you about this the other day. Um, her, I don't know if I was explicitly saying this, but this constant thought pops into my head of if you are surrounded by experiences, objects designed and made by people who kind of embody a lot of these values, 
it translates into that. Like there is an unspoken energy that comes from it. I think one of the best examples is, you know, Steve Jobs was designing the inside of the computer to be really, to be quite beautiful. And a lot of folks are like, why? No one's going to see it. It's, it's ultimately about the quality that comes through it. Um, and if you can get that through, through your purpose, through a lot of your values, um, it shows. And the, the great thing is if you can show your values through the experiences and the objects you make, it's going to attract people with very similar values. And you'll be surprised. I think a lot of people actually care about these things. Um, and so they do tend to gravitate towards these better designed, well-designed products um, where you actually have some level of an ethical or moral compass tied to them. No, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about, you were saying purposeful, and I was just thinking about like the original iPod uh, for some mm-hmm. reason. And just like how focused of a product that was. Um, right. It, it could have been so many things. It could have blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But no, well, I mean, it was just PDAs at the time. And so it could have been this like weird PDA um, with all this other functionality. And they, they put a little bit of it in there. Like I think it had contacts and maybe like a, a very high level calendar or something like that. But maybe. incredibly focused and p- purposeful. And you could take that product. Talk about like lasting and longevity. You could take that iPod today, plug it in probably sync it with a modern mac and go and use it to listen to music um all within it's been basically 20 years i think uh 20 years this year since it came out which is wild um and not a common thing in most products nowadays that you could pick it up and use it 20 years later uh without any issues especially modern products like i wonder what it'll be like to pick up something now and try to use it in 20 years because everything is so much more tied to the internet Mm. like just like certificates or domains going away um servers being unavailable to to do activation processes and stuff like that uh i don't think it'll be the same and i would say yeah there's complexity there of course and and some of it's justified but it it makes them less lasting uh less useful in Mm -hmm. the future yeah, everything becomes a little bit more ephemeral and ethereal, which is, you know, it's, it has it definitely has its positives, especially when it comes to iterative design. I think there's definitely a place and a time for it. But I think in an age of perpetual creation, I think kind of I think we could all do a little bit more with focused justifications for a lot of what we're what we're ultimately making. Um, I just I really wanted to touch on this really quick. I think to this day, one of my favorite products I've ever bought uh our pair of speakers because and and these are the kefs you remember i got them from our old program director for you know uh a steal which was really really kind of him um but i finally set them up after two years and i finally listened to some classical music on them actually you can really listen to anything on them um I don't know how old these speakers are. I think they're at least six or seven years old. Like Kef doesn't make them now. They they're thoroughly discontinued. But man, they are awesome. Like I I can guarantee you every single time I turn it on, it's definitely gonna bring me an element of joy. Are they the most playful things in the world? No. But what they produce, definitely playful by every stretch of the imagination. And because they're not really locked into a specific ecosystem, infinitely customizable. Um I think historically we've heard that if you invest in a good pair of speakers you never ever 
need to buy another pair of speakers for the remainder of your lifetime. All you need to do is change out the amplifier and it will continue to just sound better and better and better and better. Speakers are definitely a rarity in that respect. I, I can't think mm-hmm. of really, I mean, maybe like keyboard, keyboard and mice, um, you would have some uh, of that. Some of the, the more, more of the analog ones, I would probably also say vintage cars, maybe, but I think that's a different kind of love and playfulness. I think you kind of have to be a very specific type of person to gravitate towards that. So I probably wouldn't say yeah. that. I, I mean, cameras? it's also more expensive to... Oh, film cameras is a good point, too. That's another good one. Uh, yeah, I have I have a couple of old-school film cameras. Love them. Um, yeah, I mean, just looking at them. I don't have to, I don't even have to use it. Just looking at them, just like, ha-ha, hee-hee-hee, ha-ha, <laughs> I have a film camera I found in my parents' uh like at their house like years ago and it's just like sitting there i've never used it i don't know if it works i think it works um but i just have it sitting there because it's it's pretty i think it's like an old pentax camera um with like a solid metal body and stuff like that and it's just cool to look at and handle um i should actually try to fire it up one day and see if i can get it i've never even been able to open the the film so i don't even know how to do that so (laughs) Well, because if it uses if it uses it like normal like those thirty six film like rolls that is like thirty five millimeter, that's easy, right? If it gets to the one twenty to uh two forty millimeter thing, that's a little bit tricky. Um, mm-hmm. but regardless, like I hate to say this, but they do not make cameras like they used to. Like the fact that it was all metal. Um, nowadays there's like plastic and a whole bunch of other lower cost materials thrown onto it, but hot damn, they don't make them like they used to. Yeah, absolutely not. Plastic is, I have a love-hate relationship with plastic, I would say. Yeah, uh, same. It's so it's so great because it can be literally any shape, right? Any form you mm-hmm. want it to be. But man, does that have a lot of consequences to it. Um, and it's so light, you can make it so rigid, and you can make it soft. Like, it comes with so much flexibility um, in its form, but... Like, I would say... Uh, I'm not designing physical product right now, but like if I was designing physical product, that's like an ethical thing that I would have to think about is what plastic do we have to include in this? Like mm-hmm. and cut out plastic anywhere. We don't want it in the packaging in um, like any of the cables or accessories with it, like cut it all out. It's just going to, it's first of all, it's going to last longer, most likely depending on what it is, especially Probably, if it's a mechanical yeah. object. Like uh-huh. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had something broken because the plastic failed in a mechanical object and I, it just wore out and cracked it and chipped off um, all the time, rendering the product useless. Where if it was just made out of metal or even maybe like a higher quality plastic, um, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have that problem. Like, this is stupid, but I had to purchase a new bathroom hook. Um, and it's just like a 3M command strip hook, but I had like a metal yeah. one. And uh, at first, the little plastic bracket that, you know, you kind of attach the strip to on the wall first, and then you put the hook mm-hmm. on top of it. So yeah. the, a, a plastic tab on that broke off. And I was like, okay, no problem. I have other ones. It's not a, it's not a huge deal, right? Yeah. Um, so I just swapped out the plastic tab. Well, then the <laughs> same area, but the piece on the the hook side that was attaching to that piece of plastic broke. 
And here I am thinking this whole thing is metal. No, it was a lie. Talk about something that's not honest. It was just like metal coated plastic. Um, oh, so, God, no. Ooh. Yeah. And so like the rest of the hook was fine. But because this small part has failed um, just due to like wear and tear more than anything, I had to throw out the whole hook, um, which I didn't want to. I like the hook. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah. But it yeah, the, the plastic part failed. And so then it's like, why am I paying? Why am I paying nine dollars uh, for this? Or it might even be more than nine dollars. Like, let's say ten dollars for this new metal hook. That's not it's even not metal. Actually metal. You're telling yeah. me it's metal, but it's not. Um, when I could just go get a plat, like a plastic one that's straight up about being plastic. That's a bit beefier looking, honestly. Um, and half and the price. And it's half the price. Yeah. Yeah. I I only get the plastic ones because I just think they look better. But yeah. Yeah, the, well, the new one's nice, actually. It is an upgrade in a way because it has, um, I use it to hang, like, towels in the bathroom. And the new one mm-hmm. has, uh, it's, like, a rubberized grip to it. Like, maybe, like, some silicone or something mm-hmm. like that. So, the, the towel doesn't slide off as easily, which yeah. wasn't a huge issue before. But now it's, like, stupid easy. You just throw it up in any position, it'll grip it. Um, so, it, an upgrade in that respect, um, oh, that would be cool. I have... Um, Okay, wait, this is totally unrelated, but I found out that I can just stick my iPhone to the fridge um, when I'm in the kitchen, <laughs> and it's so what? fun. It feels it feels so dangerous, um, but it's super cool to just, like, slap it on the fridge, um, like, if I'm doing dishes because it's right next to the sink, or, uh, like, I'm running around the kitchen. Really cool. Um, I, I'm definitely afraid that it will fall. I... I don't see a reason why it would i've like nudged it and kind of poked it and i can't i'm dead you, it, just, you put your iPhone it's just on the so wall. scary i'm so dead i i've only done it a couple times because you know i only want to right. live on the edge so much but the the times i have done it, it it works really well and it's just kind of cool well it goes back to when the ipad first came out or when they first added magnets to it to the back mm-hmm. uh, and you could do the same thing with the ipad and I was like, wow, that's just so cool. I could just slap it up anywhere I have a magnet, um, which kind of makes me want to just install magnet, like magnetic bases all around my house to just attach my phone to anywhere. Like uh, like in the in the bathroom when I uh, am taking a shower, like listening to music, I could just have a place on the wall where my phone goes. Uh, so like it's you could, yeah. the best in the bathroom or... Uh, I mean, even like I could do it with MagSafe and just char- put the MagSafe charger like on my bed, uh, like the wall next to my bed or yeah. the headboard. But that's like a little less useful. Uh, totally random tangent. Sorry about that. But I just got <laughs> Alex is going to now start gecko feet. remodeling. You said Gecko Feet, and I was thinking about 3M. Uh, like they make a product that's kind of like works like Gecko Feet, and then I was thinking uh-huh. about sticking stuff to to walls, and I was like, oh my god, my phone. It, yeah, I got distracted. <laughs> you know geckos they are inspirational they are nature nature um (laughs) so where are we consider are we on considering caring no we we touched on all of them we went we went through all the values yeah i don't know i i feel like (sighs) yeah every in my opinion, like summing all this up, like the product, sh- a product, like a good product, right? Any good product, re- regardless of the values that go into it, 
um, like from an end user experience, it lasts, right? I understand and can at least diagnose when something goes wrong. Like something mm-hmm. that really bugs me about Apple software is how untransparent it is with error codes. And when it fails, it is infuriating to figure out what failed or why oh, it failed. Yeah. Um, really obnoxious there. And then um, I, I guess maybe instead of playful, it has a personality to it. And I can understand who made this and um, appreciate their decisions and uh, maybe be surprised even by some of the decisions that they made um, while creating that product. I'm, yeah. I always love um, taking like a product I've owned or someone uh, like a friend and they've owned a product for a while and finding like a new feature that they never knew about after all this time. That's like super fun stuff. It's almost like a like a hidden uh, little puzzle like hidden that gem. you figure out. Yeah, yeah it's like one of those side adventures in um, what's the game uh, with Link? Uh, Legend of Zelda, yeah, yep, yeah, no. So, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much how I would sum up, like, from an end user, uh, consumer perspective, like, what a good product is for me, and it, it does line up with those values. But I think the values go a little bit deeper, uh, and I don't think it's obvious initially, like, how at the core of a product those values have to be for them to permeate through all the way to you random person uh in your home somewhere on the world right like yeah a product coming across the the globe made by someone who maybe speaks another language and you can appreciate the energy and understand the thoughts that they put into it without even being able to talk to them or necessarily understand them that's that's mad that's like magical to me right yeah um when that all comes through without without that translation yeah i know i completely agree i think to kind of expand on that, I think really just having an emotional connection. And when I say emotional connection, I mean something that is beneficial for the person and is really purposefully intent with, um, you know, a good, strong core belief system, right? Like you have a positive, just a, a more like an emotional joy or happiness or excitement, or like, you know how to just go about your day. Um, I also think kind of to further, ex- like further extenuate that, um, when it just kind of disappears, right? Like you don't really need to think through it as much. It's just, it's happy. It's fun. You don't have to spend a lot of energy trying to go through it. Um, and it just, it, it augments your life. I think that yeah. has to be like an important thing. It's really the product's soul, right? Um, yeah. does that come through and, and what is that soul of the product? Uh, I remember we had a, we had a, teacher and he was like you know if you take your eye off like a knife blade it'll cut you because it wants to cut that's what it's meant to do um yep so so pay attention to it and respect it and it won't cut you um yeah which was, was the sense i remember there. that uh, when i was I, there i was just like this is so strange but now it, i'm like it was strange but like this is you, wisdom. You get it and and like not to i know a lot of people have issues with Marie Kondo but man I yesterday I was in a mood and let me tell you I was going through the house and I was like this does not bring me joy and I was just picking stuff up and like throwing it in the trash <laughs> like lots of like little things around the house I was just like no like like just like little knickknacks that you like pick up over time yeah. right and like become clutter and I was like no 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 we need to we need to go through these and, and clear the space um because they were not they were not working but right. uh yeah, no, really, really about the the product soul more than anything. Hundred percent. Um. Well, do we want to move I to, think you got some to cool, cool shit? shit? 
Yeah, I think you got some cool shite to show me. All right. Well, I didn't Kick plan off. this, but the my my pick actually embodies all of my values. Um, so hot subconsciously damn. I picked this. I and yeah. I actually picked these up before I, I wrote out all my values. But um, so they're they're called stasher bags, and what they are is they're basically Ziploc replacements, um, mm-hmm. made out of silicone. Uh, they're really thick really heavy duty way more than i actually expected them to be um and they have a bunch of different sizes to replace basically any type of ziploc <gasps> bag you would use um I want these. they're microwave safe dishwasher safe um they have more of like a traditional bag form factor and then they also have ones that can stand up on their own like some of the newer ziplocs actually can do which are great for like marinades and stuff like that um and i picked a couple up um Really because I would I would like run out of Ziploc bags and I was going to go buy new ones. And I was like, well, you know, a lot of like the times that we use the Ziploc bags are just to like throw an onion in the Ziploc bag because we didn't use all of it. So I thought this would be a great way to kind of cut down on waste, um, try a new product and see what it's all about. And let me tell you, the seal on them is crazy. I was not expecting uh, like the strongest seal ever with silicone but it it's actually hard to pull apart um you have to do it hmm. like just right that's probably my one critique of it is it can be a little bit difficult and i almost wish there were um like the maybe ones. more de- more defined no just more defined pull tabs at the top to get better leverage okay. on them um but beyond that they're they're transparent depending on the color that you get um, I think one side is opaque and one side is glossy, so you can easily see into the bags and see what they are. Um, and I mean, I'll have them around for a while. My only concern is that silicone can get some like like smell to it over time. Um, but that could be something so, that you could clean out with a little bit of vinegar and water. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I just kind of throw them in the dishwasher. I just kind of expand them and use the metal prongs on the rack to just kind of open it up and just run it through a cycle. Um, And it seems to be working well so far. Um, But yeah, they're really fun. They have like a million different colors, um, which is just fun for for whatever reason. Uh, I think the next one I want to get is like a blueberry one. Uh, I have an orange and a gray one. Very, very on. I definitely want to get one of the kits. The deep sea one looks really nice uh is that like the kind of like blueberry light light blue color yeah it's got a whole bunch of different colors it's like a like a light blue uh a light green i think there's a light purple in there mm. um it's just it's a kit so it comes with a couple different sizes but it looks really good yeah so i i've been loving them so far and i actually love them so much i got a set oh for sous vide too um i got i got oh. a set for my dad for his birthday which is coming up um because he's cooking all the time um and i thought it would be great for like i said marinating stuff um instead of having like uh, a container or like a bowl sitting with like foil over it like just throwing it all in the bag um and having that seal is great because i can't tell you how many times when i was growing up that i'd have my mom open the fridge and she'd be like "The, the meat has leaked all over the fridge through the Ziploc bag, and it's like leaked all over as it yep. was like and then and then and like, like all that. hell breaks loose because <laughs> yeah. it's like you know contaminated meat marinade everywhere, <laughs> bacteria is growing. The mother's thoroughly unhappy. The dad's like, "I'm sorry, this just kind of happened," and then it's just 
pandemonium and all you want to do is have that barbecue yep exactly exactly um so yeah so i i'm excited to use them long term they seem like great products they seem really well like made i I don't feel like they're gonna tear on me at all um that was another concern i have about like just opening and uh closing and reopening them but again they seem really durable so far so um yeah i definitely recommend them um even just to get one to check out um and see if you like it i think i'm gonna get some yeah super duper cool so that is my pick awesome uh so mine is also strangely now that i think about it um at least for me uh is very purposeful and moral honest and focused and considerate and caring um and this is jerry seinfeld's book it's called is this anything so if if you don't know me i'm a huge jerry seinfeld fan um i loved his tv show seinfeld i love a stand-up comedy um my parents were fortunate enough to get us tickets to actually go see him live when he was in hershey many 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 years ago um but he had a book uh, he recently put out a book and i think it's all of his jokes from like 1975 to today um i can't tell you and it's not how many every single one of his jokes hold up today every single one like the stuff that he wrote about in 1975 and and his stuff is really just about human behavior and a human observation and i think you know if you're a designer and you're really looking for inspiration just read a comedian's like watch comedians stand up because it's all about human behavior and everything wrong with it so just solve some of that and boom you could solve something but great humor love his jokes um i flew through this book uh so quickly just highly recommend it and it's just it's funny there's no you don't need to like start and stop it's just joke after joke so usually it's like a bit that's about a page long if not half a page some of them maybe are two or three pages long so it's not super intensive from a reading perspective um and it's just it's funny it it was a nice break from a lot of stuff that was happening so i really i really liked it um it was really 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 funny i don't i i haven't cackled so much while reading and i mean when i say cackled alex i mean i'm actually cackling out loud like my dogs would look up and just be like what are you what what are you doing there's no one else here i grew up i grew up watching seinfeld too and i actually don't know if i've ever seen like the full series end to end i've seen like i've watched bits episodes of it, yeah. tons of times right like and uh-huh. especially certain ones that would be like on rerun on like tbs and stuff yeah. like that um but i've never really watched his stand-up or anything beyond the show um i've i've seen mm-hmm. comedians and cars getting coffee but that's not it's not as funny that's it's more m- conversational yeah, yeah it's more of like a talk show in my opinion with with some comedy on yeah. top of it um so i mean even just like reading through the the kindle like the peak inside is really fun um, it's good yeah <laughs> highly recommend it it's just it's a nice little thing to do and then the the best part is you can read it in his voice if you know what his voice sounds like um i was watching him do like a book interview and he was uh like so this book is ultimately meant for people who hate my voice but like my jokes but the thing is, I imagine his voice while reading these jokes, which right, I same, think is funny. it's amazing. <laughs> this one's just talking oh, about beautiful. how he loves driving with his dog, but there's always trouble when he goes to take a turn because the dog doesn't understand inertia, <laughs> and the dog flies <laughs> <Exactly>. through the car. <laughs> 
but but the funniest part is if you own a dog or any animal you absolutely know what that feeling is because somehow like the dog is standing there he's very happy you make a left turn you don't know where that dog went could have gone right he could have gone left you don't know it's so I always good. we had so we had a we had a little carrier for my dog when we were younger, and he he was like a small dog. He's like seven pounds or something like that, seven eight pounds, and um, it had a little clip that you would do to his collar to kind of keep him secure in the little basket. But he always would stand mm-hmm. up, and even every turn he would just like fall, flip over in the basket because he couldn't anticipate <laughs> oh, the turn. No. My mom would be yelling. She'd be like, "Oh, you need to fix. You need to fix Jack. He's flipped over <laughs> in his little seat." Oh my god! So uh, dogs don't understand cars, but they they shouldn't have to. It's it's not their it's world. It's so cute. We just no, brought them in. Not it. at all. <laughs> They're just happy to to just be happy. Well, cool. I think those are some good picks. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's our show um this is the new red eye design uh so yeah so stay tuned um hopefully we'll have a couple guests on in the coming weeks uh we'll have some new album artwork as well sometime soon um let us know what you thought about this new uh design topic if you like the design direction did you like hearing your thoughts um about how we approach designing things or at least some of our philosophies behind that um let us know please tweet at us uh check us out on the tweet bots the instagrams the whole nine yards um if you aren't registered to vote please register to vote if you recently turned 18 and are listening to us please register to vote um important civic duty and never a bad uh, time to register yeah. to vote <laughs> exactly never a bad time never um yeah you can find all of our contact information in the show notes uh music is by lewis uh lancaster so hit him up uh he's always looking for some cool people to collaborate with and that's all we got welcome to 2021
on the bus or on the train or, or if I was walking. But most of the time, if I'm listening to stuff, it'd be music. Um, and especially if I'm huh. like at, at home, I'm listening. Like if I'm working, it's music always. Oh. And if I'm going out, Same. it's usually music. Um, but sometimes like, like, cause I'm not out as much like walking around anymore. Um, like I've just been enjoying, like I've actually been enjoying hearing the crazy, uh, like homeless guy throwing stuff across the street. I don't know. It's just like the environment, right? Um, it's a nice change. Yeah. I don't know. It's a change of pace, but, um, why didn't you just wear your, like, the headphones you have on right now like these some larger these are massive yeah. cans so no it's worse you want me to walk well, out in public it, with that will it ruin your your aesthetic to have on over the ear headphones yeah man i'm not like I, that that like, doesn't that doesn't fit me look i just got circular glasses i can't also have the massive over the ear headphones <laughs> right like the circular gla- ga- glasses give off nerdy vibes and i gotta keep with the nerdy aesthetic which means understated headphones and in philly i feel like i don't see that many people with over ear headphones like it's usually airpods airpods pros and the occasional jaybirds and like over ear things yeah i would say actually if you went back a couple years it was more common when a lot of people had beats um yeah with the wired versions before they were like pretty much all wireless um but i mean who cares that's how people have always listened to music uh or headphones technically then i should just grab a boom box and just walk around well i'm sorry private listening private listening was i mean it's private i'm the only one listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah you and everyone else on the subway when oh god when people blast their music on the subway uh that always drives me bananas that's like i don't take the subway though i walk uh well that's true philly's so small you really for most things you could get away with walking especially if it's like oh, i just walk everywhere like that. yeah yeah no. or just i miss really walking i miss walking from uh like 30th street into center city that was always like a nice walk um yeah it really is it's lovely yeah walk down walnut always, like, decompression Ooh. time but yeah. yeah, no, usually if I'm, like I said, if I'm walking, it's usually music or maybe I'm not listening to anything at all. Like sometimes I'll hmm. do a podcast, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I like, I'm more focused on like the surroundings and like taking that in and not thinking as much like about what's being said. So I don't focus hmm. a lot on the That's podcast. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just know. subscribe well, to too many things, and I just want to keep listening to it all. So, oh, I, that's a whole other problem. I, I gave up on that mentality a long time ago. Like, I just can't. oh, I am so far behind. But yes, <laughs> if I if I'm not listening to it, I'm not listening to it. I have so many podcasts in here that like I just haven't touched, and like maybe I'll get to it eventually. Oh, planes! I'll blow through a backlog on planes real quick. Let me tell you, planes. When I was traveling before all this. Oh, like, on planes. I was like, planes is a oh, podcast? That sounds so cool. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, hour and a half podcast, I'd be, like, eating them up. Like, I couldn't download enough at one point uh, mm-hmm. just to, like, have something to distract my mind. That's when I really need a distraction is on a plane when I'm traveling for, like, eight hours, yeah. 12 hours. No bueno. Um, but, yeah, no. That's funny. 
I wonder, I would love to know the breakdown of how people listen to podcasts. I would bet a lot were on their commutes before. Like, do you yeah, listen I'm to podcasts sure when you work out? Are you one of those people? Uh, no. Oh, mm, if I'm on the rowing machine, I do. If I am doing any sort of functional training or high intensity interval training, I don't. Um, but if it's just like cardio for 45 minutes mm. or an hour, then yeah, I mean, I will definitely listen to it because come on, going on your bike at a consistent speed is only so exciting. So true. Especially when you don't have anything to look at. No, that's right. That's funny. You said that because that makes sense. Like, or you hop on a treadmill or an elliptical or something like that. Right. But like mm-hmm. to your point, if you're doing like high intensity training or yoga or anything like that, like it, it's too I distracting. Yeah, yeah, it's way too distracting. Like, and I can't. Like, I I'll, I'll lose count. Hell, I lose count when I listen to music. Sometimes I'll like <laughs> want my mind will wander off, and I'll be like, oh god, like where am I? Like, I think I just <laughs> One, skipped over two, four reps. Three. Um, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. No. Or, I, or I, you know what's? <laughs> you know what I'll do? I'll count ahead in my head sometimes, like of what I'm actually doing, and then I'm like, uh-huh. wait. How and then you end up doing less. Done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, the, the reason thing I started to notice is, um, so I've, I've had to play my workout music through my HomePod, mm-hmm. which has been really, really nice. But um, I'll do this thing where I'll be like doing an exercise. I'll be like, one, two, three, two, one, two. And I'm like, no, one, two, three, four, five. Like keep counting up because otherwise oh, you're never going to know. I've done that. Like sometimes I'll like break up nine and I'll be like one, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three. That I'll, that makes <laughs> sense. But I'll do one, two, three, two, one, two, three, oh. two. Like I'll just <laughs> oscillate between the three numbers, and I'm like, I that's not helpful. <laughs> like sometimes I almost wish I had like a manual counter, like you know, like the like. Yeah, you just the, click. <laughs> I don't even know, like the little thumb clickers, like what they do in the, just, like baseball parks, yeah, for crowd control, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I almost need that, but like sometimes I think I need like almost like a like an easy button that I can just like hit and it'll just increment. <laughs> that was easy. That was easy. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. Because like yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there are plenty of times I'll be like, oh well, maybe I was like one or two off, so I'll do an extra one because. I don't mm-hmm. actually know if I was off. Yeah. Um, and I'm reaching my limits, so I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm getting close, so <laughs> it's not all that far off. 